0: Well, good morning. Welcome to the JAR. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, A few years ago, I received a phone call from a buddy of mine, and um, the conversation started out like this. Dude, you will not believe the deal that they're having down at Walmart. It is good news. You've got to get down here. It's the greatest thing I've ever heard before. And the conversation kind of stopped, and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. You know, um, half price off everything in Walmart, you know, free oil changes maybe, or uh, he bought me something. And uh, then he went on and he said this, a case of Coke is going for two ninety nine, dollars And they're selling it fast, Chris, and you better get here, because this is great news. And throughout that whole week, I had several people that came up to me, and they were saying, have you heard, have you heard the good news? And I was like, what? And they're like, two ninety nine 99 a case of Coke at Walmart. Now, I love Coke. In fact, I probably drink a Coke a day, uh, if not more than that. But when it comes right down to it, folks, that isn't the greatest news I've ever heard of 2.99 a case. In fact, it's not even the goodest news I've ever heard. Is goodest a word? Well, it is today. Okay? The goodest news that I've ever heard. So today, what I want to talk about, though, is the goodest news. The greatest news that this world has ever known. The good news of Jesus Christ. Now, friends, the good news is all about people. It's all about people. It's about reaching out to people. And the cool thing is, is the way that God chooses his strategic plan to get this news out is you and me. Now, a lot of you probably have believed in Christ. You've crossed the line of faith. Some of you haven't yet. You're thinking about it. You're figuring it out, trying to decide what that means. But those of you who have, if you have thought of, you know, a person, or those of you who have crossed the line of faith, can you identify a person that helped you with that? I bet you can. I bet you can think about a person who kind of helped you in your faith experience. Or maybe, if you haven't crossed the line of faith, you're here today because of a person. um, Someone that you've connected with. Because that's the way God does it, folks. He shares his good news through other people. He uses people. So today, we're going to learn how Jesus told the good news and how we might be able to tell that good news as well. Now, when Jesus first started his public ministry, when he first started his teaching ministry, this is what he said. He said this, He God the Father has appointed me to preach good news. Jesus said, I came to give good news. But you know what I've noticed is that we're all great that Jesus came to do that, but when it comes to us having to tell that good news to someone else, it becomes a struggle. In fact, some of us are scared to death. It becomes very uncomfortable for us to share good news. I mean, it's very easy to tell someone the good news that Coke's 2.99 at Walmart. You better get there. Or it's easy, you know, for a while, Newcastle had cheaper gas than Muncie, and people would come up to you and they'd say, you want the cheapest gas in the world? Yeah, go to Newcastle. I won't mention it, but a friend of mine, he used to go to Newcastle all the time for his gas. I love that guy, but I thought he was a nut. Okay, But when it comes to the goodest news, the greatest news of all, we become very unsure of telling that to other people. So for the rest of the time, we're going to talk about how to tell the good news to different people in different ways who have different needs. And the way we're going to do this is we're going to kind of go back in time and look at a couple days in Jesus's life a couple of days in which he shared good news and then he saw life change happen because of the way that he said it and these are the two days that we're going to look at we'll read it together and you can see it on the screens you can follow along the following day John was again standing with two of his disciples as Jesus walked by John looked at him and declared look there It's the Lamb of God. Then John's two disciples turned and followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place, and they stayed there the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the men who had heard what John said and then followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, you are Simon, the son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, be my disciple. Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went off to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? "'Just come and see for yourself,' Philip said. As they approached Jesus, he said, "'Here comes an honest man, a true son of Israel.' "'How do you know that about me?' Nathanael asked. And Jesus replied, "'I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you.' Nathanael replied, "'Teacher, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel.' Jesus asked him, Do you believe all this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, The truth is, you will all see heaven open up and the angels of God going up and down upon the Son of Man. A couple of days just in the life of Jesus in which he tells good news to other people. And as he tells this good news to other people, People's lives are changed. So let's take just a few minutes to look at how to tell the good news in such a way that it remains good. What is it that keeps the good news good? What is it that keeps the good news good? First of all, there is good news for different people. There is good news for different people. If you would, I'd like you to look down the row or behind you or the person beside you. Just look at the people that's in your row. Just kind of look. That means actually do that, okay? Look. Are any of those people different? No comments, okay? But some of you, as you're looking at them, you're like, yeah, that one, it's really different, you know? <laughs> I know. And each of us are different from the person beside us. That's just how God creates us. So as Jesus tells the good news to the folks in this story, he takes that into the account, that all people are different. And people hear things differently based upon their personality. He realizes that we all have different personalities, the way we think, the way we act. And so he tells the good news in such a way that everyone can hear this good news. He realizes that they each have different personalities, and he talks about four different groups of people. Now, I like personality tests to take them. I think they're fun. Anybody else? Oh, I'm this lone person. All right. Here's a couple. Well, personality tests are fun. They don't take very long. You can take them pretty quickly, and then you can find out kind of what your strengths and your weaknesses are from your personality. In fact, this week I found a free one that I'll give to you. It's in your program, but you can look it up and it's called uh, one OneEyeShy.com. OneEyeShy.com. You can uh, do that, it's free, and then they'll send you uh, what your personality type is and uh, some strengths and weaknesses of that personality. But for our task today, what I want us to do is look at four personalities that are mentioned in this scripture and how Jesus shares the good news in a different way, or in the same way, but in to uh, meet different personalities that are there. And he does it in the best possible way. Here is the first one. It's Andrew and John, the story that we just read. And this is what I call a people-centered personality. A people-centered personality. Let me show what I mean. <clears throat> Andrew and John have been following this guy named John. He's called John the Baptist. From now on, we're going to call him JB, okay? Just so we don't get him confused with everybody else. So JB is who? John the Baptist. Okay, there'll be a quiz later on. Now, JB has been in the wilderness, and he's been talking about this good news that's going to come, and there is a person that people should connect and follow to. And Andrew and John have been listening to this message. And one day, J.B. stands up in front of them and he says, there it is. There is the one. That's Jesus. That's who you're supposed to follow. So they follow after him and he turns around and he says, what do you want? You know, it's kind of like a dog that's kind of, you know, they're kind of just all up on you. And Jesus kind of looks like, what do you guys want? And they say, where are you staying? Now, typically, we get scared when strangers come up to us and, uh, you know, they want to know where you're staying. But Jesus says, come and see. And Jesus spends this entire day with this group of people, of Andrew and John, these two folks, because they were people-centered. You see, they loved people. They loved being around people. John and Andrew felt best when they were with people. In fact, some of you know people like that. They're around people all the time. In fact, you might be that person. They love relationships. They're around people. They want to be with people all the time. If there's anything that they can do, what they value the most is being with other people. So Jesus had a way to tell them the good news. And so he starts a relationship. They're people-centered, so he says, the best way for me to share the good news is to start a relationship with them. And he takes the whole day off, and he just hangs out with them. And by the end of the day, they accept The good news. Jesus built a relationship with them. He spent time with them. And because he knew that was a part of their personality and that they valued that, they were like, we're ready to accept this good news. Well, after this encounter, Andrew goes off to his brother Peter. And uh, Peter has a very different personality from his brother. How many of you have a different personality than your sibling? Okay? Yeah, all of us. Now, this is a good one. We can all feel confident today. How many of you have a more likable personality than your... Just raise your hand. They're not even here, probably, you know? Yeah. Well, Peter was definitely different from Andrew. Peter is what I call a planned, centered personality. A planned, centered personality. These are people who always have a plan. But when they talk about a plan, they're not just talking about any plan, but they're talking about their plan. They have their plan, their idea, their thought, and they're going to drive to it in the fullest way. And Peter was this kind of guy. And when Peter meets Jesus... Jesus doesn't say, hey, you want to come and spend some time at my house for the whole day? And let's just talk like your brother. No, Peter wouldn't have been caught dead doing that. But he goes to Peter and he just looks at him in the face and he says, your name is Simon. But now it's called Cephas, which means Peter, which means rock. You're going to be the anchor of this thing that I'm starting called Christ followers the way. You're going to be the rock. And he gives them a life challenge. And that's what a planned personality person needs. They need a life challenge. Something in their personality that they can capture. And there are a lot of people like Peter. They're full of potential, but no one has ever gave them the good news challenge. A challenge that would be for the rest of their life. I mean, they don't need somebody to come and talk to them all day or go, you know, God loves you and Jesus loves you. They're like, okay, I can get that piece, but what are we going to do now? What are we going to do with this? What's the plan? What's the action? What's the focus? And so Jesus comes to Peter and he says, I have a challenge for you, buddy. I have a life challenge. And Peter's like Pavlov's dog, just starts salivating and is like, I'm ready for it. Then the next day, Jesus comes to a guy that he met named Philip. Now, Philip kind of reminds me of Pastor Isaac. Um, it's a little bit different with Philip. Jesus walks up to Philip and says, hey, Philip, follow me. And Philip's like, okay. He's smiling. If you, uh, he's like, okay. And uh, he follows him. And Philip says, okay, this is what I call a peace-centered personality. A peace-centered personality. He gets a good vibe from Jesus. And he feels like, I can trust this guy. I'm going to follow him. Now, in this type of personality, what Jesus does is he simply shows the way. He just shows the way. People like Philip, people with this kind of, peace-centered personality, they don't necessarily want to be trailblazers, you know? They don't want to set off on the trail and find every single thing. What they just want is, hey, you know, give me the map and, uh, you know, kind of show me I'll just go from point A to point B and I'll go at my own pace. I'll just take it easy. I'll smell the roses as, uh, you know, I go by and I'll learn what makes sense to me and uh, I can trust in that. These are typically people who find it easier to trust folks once they get to know them. Philip was just this way. More than likely, though, Philip had heard about Jesus before. He had heard about him, and he thought, you know what? Man, everything that he says is true, and he does, and he follows that. And so when Jesus finally comes and says, hey, Philip, come be my disciple, Philip's like, okay, After this, Philip goes to a friend named Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel is very different from Philip. He has what I call a philosophy-centered personality. A philosophy-centered personality. Nathaniel is more internally centered. In other words, he's more introverted by nature. He wants to know the why behind the good news. He wants to figure things out on his own, so Philip goes up to uh, Nathaniel and says, "We found the one. He's the Son of God. He's the one that Moses and the prophets have talked about. He's Jesus of Nazareth." And like any philosophy-centered personality, he hears everything that Philip says, and he pulls out the one negative thing that's in the middle of that, and he goes, "Nazareth, can anything good?" Come out of Nazareth? And Philip, who's obviously his good friend, says, Come on and see. Just come and see. You can decide for yourself, but at least check this Jesus out. So Nathanael goes and he checks Jesus out. And as he's walking towards Jesus, this is what Jesus says. I see you. I see you. There's truth in you. I can see that. In fact, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. And immediately, Nathaniel falls on his knees and he starts worshipping Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems a little strange to me. I'll never forget this. The very first time I read it, I was like, why would somebody do that? Why would they just fall on their knees and start worshipping someone? I mean, if I looked at you guys and I said, hey, yesterday I saw you eating pizza... Pizza at Pizza King. You wouldn't be like, Oh, Bunch! Holy Man! Woo! No. So the issue really becomes there's something in this text that is deeper than just the words. And it's about that fig tree. You see, in Jewish teachings, during that day, there was a teaching called the Talmud that... uh, Was kind of the traditions that you should do, kind of uh, connected to the Bible of traditions that Jewish folks should do. And one of those was that Jews needed to find different places to worship each day. And it should be in a private place, maybe in a room, uh, maybe outside by yourself somewhere. But you should worship God. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a fig tree before. But the branches curve in such a way that they go down. I think we have a picture for them. There it is. But you can see that the branches actually fall down all the way. And it's very thick underneath that. There are branches that are so thick that you could privately get underneath that and no one could see you. So what Jesus is telling Nathaniel is, I saw you when you were worshiping. I saw you praying. I saw your spiritual heart when no one else saw. I saw that. And Jesus' call in Nathaniel's life was that. That he understands. You know, there are a lot of people desperately seeking for somebody else to understand them. Just understand. To understand my pain. To understand my hurt. To understand when the walls are caving in, to understand that sometimes, even in your best intentions, things in life just kind of fall and break apart, and they mess up. And so Jesus comes to Nathanael, and he says, I see you. I understand. I understand. Well, Jesus comes and he shares this good news in a way that every single one of us can understand, folks. Regardless of our personality, Jesus says, my good news can connect with you in a different way. Now, that makes sense when we hear the good news, but what about when we're telling the good news? When we're telling the good news? I mean, bunch is why you're telling me is that we have to go and we have to give a personality test to people before we can tell the good news? Like... Hey, i got something to share with you, but could you please fill out this 400 uh, questions for me? I would encourage you not to do that, okay? Because it will freak people out. No. The key, folks, to telling the good news is to just be yourself. To be yourself. God created you in a very unique way. He wired you up in such a way in which He says, here's the good news now. Be yourself and find a personality of someone else. And when you start sharing the good news, all of a sudden there is a spark that catches fire and people connect with you. So you hear the good news and then you tell it in a way that people can understand. Here's the second thing, main thing in this passage. And in keeping the good news good, it's this, that there are different methods of the good news. The good news can be shared in different methods. Now, the, the first method is message. It's a message. That's what we call here at the Jar of the Teaching. That's what I'm doing right now. You may have heard it called the sermon or a homily before. It's something that a pastor does. They take the teachings of Christ and they try to explain it the best way they know how to other folks. It's something you hear in church. And that's what happened to Andrew and John. J.B., remember who he was? Wow, you guys are good. John the Baptist just stands up and he's teaching and he says, Look, there... It's the Lamb of God. Just this short, simple, one-sentence teaching. Look, the Lamb of God, follow Him. And they do. Now, some of you are thinking right now, Hey, Bunch, why don't you take that on, you know? One simple, short sentence, and then we're out of here, you know? My wife tells me that every week could you make it just a little less, you know, like one sentence? But amazingly enough, he just gives that one sentence, and that is enough for Andrew and John to follow Jesus. So if by chance you're ever asked to give a teaching or a sermon or a homily, don't freak out and be like, oh God, what am I going to do? No way, I could never do that. Just do what John the Baptist did, said He said, look at Jesus and follow him. Look at Jesus and follow him. I mean, that's what we're trying to do here at the JAR, folks, is to do it as a group, but we all look at Jesus, and then we just try our best to follow him. That's what we're trying to do. And J.B. said, look at Jesus, and they did. And his teaching drew them to believe in the good news. I just wonder, by a, a sign of hands, how many of you, maybe it was a teaching here or a teaching at another church, but one time you were sitting in church and there was a message that just penetrated your heart. and That was the moment that you kind of stepped across the line of good news. Anybody? Yeah, several of you. Somebody stands up. They share the good news of Jesus Christ, and it hits you right in their heart. Sometimes people will come up to me and say, Man, how did you know what was going on this week? I'm not that good, folks, okay? Again and again, what I've seen is the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, take the words of myself or Pastor Isaac or somebody else, and as those words are being told, it just like penetrates into people's hearts, and they're ready to make that life change of accepting the good news. It's not my words, it's not things that I've created, but God's Spirit comes and, life's, and lives are changed. Now with each of these methods, I'm going to give to you a practical action step to take. And for this one, for message, the practical action step is invite someone to church. Invite someone to church. Now I know that there are some of you who a couple of months ago, you put down the names of two people that are disconnected from God and you've been praying for the last couple months. You've been praying for these people and now God's saying, you know what the next step is? The next step is to actually invite them to come. Next week is what? Easter. The biggest day of the Christian faith is next week. There is no week, there is no day that is a better time to invite people to church than next week. Like if you're a person who hates to be rejected, this is your week to ask somebody. Because more than likely they're going to say yes. People are actually sitting in their homes this week thinking, you know, I probably should go to church. And they're waiting for somebody to say, you know what, why don't you come check this out? Now, I know for some of you, today is your very first time being here at the jar. And you're like, oh, great. I picked this Sunday out of all the Sundays to come. And now I have to invite somebody else. You know what? You're off. You're off the hook. If today is your very first Sunday, I don't want you to invite anybody else to the jar. This is what I want you to do invite yourself back. Just invite yourself back. Say, you know what? I came this Sunday. I think I'll check it out next week. Maybe it'll get better, you know. We hope. Okay, second method. Here's the second method. Conversation. Conversation. In our story today, Andrew goes to his brother Peter and says, We have found the Messiah. Now, folks, this is big news. This is Really big news. I mean, this is the type of news in which if I stood up and I said, Elvis is alive and he's down at Scotty Brew's house, you know? I mean, no, no, no. It's even bigger than that. Elvis is alive and he's thin and he's at Scotty's brew house, you know? And he's giving free hamburgers to everybody, you know? But it's even bigger than that, folks. You see, the Jewish people had been waiting for 700 years. A prophecy that was predicted 700 years before that, that this person would come, would be born as a human being, and would be the Messiah, the Promised One, God's only Son. They've been waiting all this time. And right now, they're in the midst of this Roman government that is just like, you know, overwhelming them. They're in slavery to them. And Andrew comes up to Peter In a conversation, and he says, we've seen the Messiah, and this spiritual conversation takes place. Now, that's true for some of you. How many, again, by a sign of uh, just hands, you came to the good news of Jesus Christ because of a spiritual conversation with another person? Somebody you just talked to? Yeah. Several of you. I mean... Andrew just uses regular, normal, everyday communication. And in doing so, Peter accepts the good news. These were just two fishermen talking to each other. Two businessmen. I mean, it's not like Andrew meets Jesus and then he comes to Peter and he goes, Oh, thou fairest brother, I want thou to understand thy good news that thy Messiah has brought to thee. You ever see church people do that before? Just kick them next time. No. That's the only thing some of you will get from this whole time, I can tell. It wasn't in the notes, folks. Just a little joke, okay? But no, Andrew doesn't change his language. He just normally, ordinary, tells his story of what he's seen. A couple weeks ago, A guy here in the jar uh, was at a doctor's appointment. He's waiting in the waiting room, and uh, he's reading uh, this book. It'll come up on the screens called uh, Just Walk Across the Room. As an entire church, uh, we went through this in March. And he's reading this book, and he's on the chapter that talks about the power of story, the power of God's story for our life, but then also... The power of us being able to tell our own story to other people, and so he's sitting there and he's reading this book and he's not thinking too much about it. And the nurse comes up and says, "Well, it's time to, uh, you know, go back." And she looks down and she goes, uh, "What are you reading?" And he said, "I panicked, Chris." He goes, "I didn't know what to say," so he kind of put his head down. And he said, "Well, it's um, uh, it's just a book." Uh, about spiritual stuff. And he told me later, he said, as those words came out, I thought, you idiot, you're reading a book about how to share the story and now you're going, oh, but, uh, it's a spiritual book. Well, he got a second chance and the woman asked him a question and said, well, what's it about? And he said, man, I just prayed right then, help God. And then he just started talking. He said, well, it's called Just Walk Across the Room. And he said, there's this guy named Jesus that one day walked across and started a relationship with me. And when he walked across, I was uh, just so touched by his love. And what he did on the cross for me, that um, I just decided I was going to follow him. And he said, my life before was like this, and then I met Jesus, and since then, my life has been filled with peace and joy. Not that I'm perfect, not that I always feel peace and joy, but I just don't let the circumstances consume me anymore. And this nurse was like, wow. She goes, that's what I want. And she said, well, can I write down the name of this book and the author? I'd really like to read it sometime. And uh, he took the book and he said, no, you can just have this one. And he wrote down uh, his name and phone number and said, hey, if you ever want to talk about any of this go ahead now when he was telling me this story he said I couldn't believe I gave my book away (laughs) I mean I wasn't done reading it yet you know And he said it's not like me to do that but God just opened up this conversation and pretty soon we just started talking and it was so easy to tell my story and uh, I invited her to come check out the jar anytime she wanted to. Folks, don't minimize what God can do in just a conversation in a doctor's office, through a story. In fact, that's the action point for this, is to be able to write down your story. If you've never done this before, if you've never written down your story, do it. Just a hundred words or less. People don't want your novel, okay? Okay? They don't want to hear everything about your life. Just a little bit before how you came to know God and then what your life has been like after that. Make it short and simple and then watch watch how God uses that. Here's the third method. A personal encounter. A personal encounter. The Bible says that Jesus found Philip and Philip followed him. It wasn't... Philip finding Jesus, Jesus found him. He had a personal encounter. I know a lot of people that make their decision to follow the good news of faith like this. Maybe there were some seeds planted at some point, a conversation with a friend, something they read in the Bible, maybe a radio or television show that they saw sometime or heard on the radio, and they just kind of stopped, stepped, along, stepped across the line of faith. that didn't do it for them. But one day they're just in their car and they're driving down a road and all of a sudden, just by themselves, they think, you know what? I'm ready to accept this good news. I want a relationship with you, God. If you're out there somewhere, I'm ready to start it. Or maybe they're at bed at night and they get woke up and they're like, man, I... I'm, I sense your presence, God. And they get on their knees and they just say, you know what, God, I'm ready to start this. I don't have it all together, but as well as I know, I'm ready to start a relationship. Or maybe in their backyard they do this. Just some place where they do uh, make a commitment. I'm just curious, how many of you had that experience? Yeah. You just kind of, you're by yourself and you do it. Folks, don't be afraid of planting seeds because you never know those seeds over a period of time may just produce fruit. The action step for this is what I call three numbers, one, one, one. You can put a one and then a dash and a one and a dash and a one. It's a method that we've used here at the JAR since we first started with six people uh, in my house. And the method's this. It's simple. You take one person who's disconnected from God. And at one o'clock in the afternoon, you pray for him for one minute. That's it. One, one, one. One person at one o'clock in the afternoon for one minute. Now, some of you, you might want to do 1 a.m. I know you stay up late. But, you know, either way, you just take one. And then you watch what God does through this brief time of prayer. It's had a powerful effect. Here at the jar. Here's a fourth method in that God uses to get the good news to our lives. A faithful friend. A faithful friend. In our story, Philip was this for Nathaniel. He was a faithful friend. A faithful friend is somebody who doesn't give up on you. No matter what, no matter what goes on in your life, they just don't give up on you. Most of us don't have enough on one hand. In this case, Philip goes to his friend Nathaniel, and all of a sudden he hears sarcasm in his voice. Remember what he said? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now I think a lot of us would say, he's not wanting to believe in this, so I'm just going to let this go and walk away. But Nathaniel doesn't do that. Or Philip doesn't do that. He didn't give up on his friend. He said to him, just come and see Nathaniel." Then they went and they saw Jesus Christ and Nathaniel's life was changed because Philip didn't give up. That's the action step for this one. Don't give up. You just don't give up. You may have prayed for the person for years and years and years and you know that you have prayed and God's heard every prayer, folks, and He will move in those in ways that you don't understand if you don't give up. You've talked again and again. You've invited them to church. But God is using all of those because he loves people who don't give up. Friends, when people are struggling to understand the good news, you don't help them out by arguing with them or pulling them or pushing them or twisting their arm. So the question is, what do you do when someone's at that point? Well, you do what Philip did. And you just say, come and see. Just come and see. Let's go together. Let's just go. Just come one time to church. Check it out. Let's read this book together. Come and see. Let's listen to something uh, on TV. Let's come and see. Let's do it together. A few weeks ago, I interviewed uh, one of my good friends, uh, Kenny Davis when we first started the church, even before we did that, I prayed for him in this one-one-run rule forever. And it took almost 11 years before he crossed the line of faith. I invited him to church. We had spiritual conversations, books. Many times I thought, man, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. But I just kept on doing this. Come and see, come and see, come and see. And finally, when his mom died last year, Kenny was ready. He walked across that line of faith and he said, I'm ready to come and see and to actually give myself for the good news. Folks, that's just what happens when you plant seeds. So plant some seeds and watch God grow it. Here's the last thing. The last thing Jesus did to keep the good news good was he shared the good news for different needs. Different needs. Different needs. Do you realize that we all come to Jesus based on our needs? You see, each one of us has like a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts in which there's only one thing that can fill it, and that is a relationship with God. And Jesus is the only one that can help you with that. It's interesting to me that in this passage then, there are nine different titles that are given, nine different titles that are given, about Jesus and how He meets people's needs. Because every single time a word is given that talks about who Jesus is, basically what Jesus is saying is here is how I can meet your needs. So in our passage, for example, He's called the Lamb of God up there in the top left-hand corner. That means He can meet your need for forgiveness. You see, in the Jewish faith, before Jesus came, if you had sin in your life, you had to take an animal sacrifice and present it at the altar, and then it would be killed. And in that way, your sins went into that animal rather than you taking on those sins yourself. Typically, they used a lamb for that. That's what Passover is about, taking these lambs and having them killed so that the sins wouldn't be with the people anymore, but they were in and on the animal. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, folks, because He was the only one who took all the sins, all your sins. The ones in your closet that no one else knows about, He took those. Your past, your present sins, ones you're going to do in the future, He took them all. And He says, you know what? If you need forgiveness, I can fill that need. He's also called rabbi. Rabbi means teacher. Sometimes we just need to live a life, and we want to know how to live a life that's God-designed. We want that to be taught. And Jesus says, I'll meet that need. One of Jesus' name is Messiah, which is called the Promised One. Some of us need to know that God is a God who keeps His promises. I mean, all of us want to know that God keeps His promises, but for some of us, it's a huge, deep need that God will never give up on me. He'll never walk away. If He says, I'll be with you always, He keeps His promises. And Jesus says, I can meet that need. His name is the One, the One who Moses and the prophets wrote about. Some people need to know that God has this plan of history that spans in a huge way, and that, they're, and that they are a part of that plan. That Jesus Christ came to meet that need. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. He grew up in a place called Nazareth as a boy. It's a real place. Some of us simply need to know that Jesus is real. He was a real person who went to a real place, and he went on a real cross, and he died for all of our sins. He had real pain, real hurt, and three days later, he had a real resurrection. It's not just in the Bible, folks. You can look at Roman records that show that all of this was portrayed. It happened. And so Jesus says, if that's what you need to know that I'm real, I can meet that need. He's the son of Joseph. Some of us want to know that Jesus was fully human, that he understands what we're going through. And we need that. And Jesus says, I understand. I can meet that need. Some of us need to know he's the son of God, that he's more than just a good teacher or a good man or a good moral person, but he is the flesh of God, 100% God. He has the power of life to give to you. Some of us need that. And Jesus says, I can meet that need. He is named here, Jesus is the King of Israel. Some of us need to know that there is a king that is preparing a kingdom for us, not just this day or this week or during this life, but that there is a king who has a kingdom beyond this life. And Jesus says, I can meet that need. And finally, the passage says that he is the Son of Man. Again, Jesus teaches us that some of us just need to know that Jesus understands. And he says, if you have that need, I understand. Jesus Christ can meet your needs, whatever it is. If it's a need of your mind, of your heart, of your soul, he can meet that need. Jesus loves you and he desires that The good news would be something that you not only enjoy, but that you tell to other people. So this week, during Easter week, I encourage you to enjoy the good news of forgiveness, of love, a brand new life that you have because of Him. And then invite, tell somebody else about that experience. Now I know that some of you are here today and you're like, I've never accepted this good news. What am I supposed to do? Do I have to wait till next week? You don't. You don't have to wait till Easter. You can do that today. And you say, well, how? Just through a small prayer. And we'll do that in just a second. And for some of you, you've already crossed the line of faith. But the fact is, folks, joy's kind of left you. You haven't enjoyed the good news, that you're totally forgiven. Love, there's freedom in that. And this week you need to enjoy that and tell someone else about it. So as we um, close, I'm just going to have a prayer, and then uh, we'll go from there. So let's stand for prayer. And those of you who are uh, ready to accept the good news today, you you can do that. So let's pray. You can just pray after me, silently to yourself. Jesus Christ, I accept the good news of your love for me. I ask for your forgiveness for the wrong things I've done. I ask for your leadership and guidance in my life. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life today. I'm ready to start a relationship with you. God, thank you for loving and forgiving every single person who is in this place. Thank you that you have multiple names, Jesus, so that when we are in our time of need, we can turn to You and You meet that need. Thank You for going to the cross that we'll remember and celebrate this Friday, a good Friday for us of knowing what You did. And help us this week, God, to tell some other people about it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Know you're loved in this place. If you'd like prayer for anything, come on up. Thanks.